Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in to the Illini Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer publisher here with you. Today on the podcast, I dive into a force that all of us know will change the landscape of college athletics, but most of us know very little about what it is, how it will work, or how it will change the NCAA. Name, image, and likeness. It's a phrase that is often used and is a topic that has grown really into a movement in college athletics. At its core, name, image, and likeness refers to the right of publicity and the right to profit off that publicity for amateur college athletes. Long-standing NCAA rules have prohibited college athletes from profiting off their name, image, and likeness, though those rules are changing. The NCAA has developed proposals to allow student-athletes to monetize off their name, image, and likeness, and this has been hastened because several states have passed legislation that could take effect as soon as the summer that would allow their amateur athletes inside their borders to profit off their name, image, and likeness. The expectation seems to be that name, image, and likeness rules will be in place by the 2021-22 academic year. But the NCAA has not clearly stated what those rules will be or how they will be monitored or enforced. Yet schools, including Illinois, are preparing for a new world of college athletics where a small percentage of the athletes may finally profit off their college sports stardom. Who will gain from NIL? How will they gain from it? And how much will they gain from it? How is Illinois preparing for this? What do they need to prepare for? And how will they monitor it? And how will this change college athletics for the better and potentially for the worse? I caught up with Illinois Associate Athletics Director Dr. Brian Russell, who is the head of what he calls the Illinois Athletics Name, Image, and Likeness Think Tank. We discuss all of these big questions. That's next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, back on the Online Choir podcast with Brian Russell. He's a Senior Associate Athletics Director, Administration, and Student Athlete Development. Brian, thank you for joining us. And I wanted to chat with you about something we we talk about a lot, like 
but it's almost like mythological. I feel like when we talk about it, our fans talk about it, name, image, and likeness. And you're the guy to talk to because you're leading the NIL group. Is it uh, a committee task force um, here at Illinois? What do you guys call it? Yeah, absolutely. So we, uh, we, we, we have a name image likeness. Uh, I would call it a think tank uh, because what we know is that this, this, incoming legislation. Um, we don't know exactly what it's going to look like from the NCA side, from the state side, from the federal side, but we know it's coming. And so we have a, a lot of stakeholders around the table thinking about it uh, comprehensively in terms of how it impacts us as athletics and how it impacts our student athlete experience. Uh, so we've got everybody from student athlete development to compliance to uh, our iFund group, uh, to our marketing and, and certainly creative media group. And so everyone has a different angle of, uh, of what type of uh, preparation we need to undertake to, to see what's coming. Uh, and so really, I just, uh, you know, I, I don't happen to be the smartest in the room or have any of the answers. Uh, I just get the privilege of leading the group and, and trying to, to trying to get us together, going in a direction in the same direction to, to best prepare our student athletes. When did you guys decide to start this and, and how often do you meet and what are those meetings like? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, meetings are, are more sporadic simply because uh, a lot of this is a, a hurry up and wait, right? We've uh, we started this uh, probably a little over a year ago where we just, you know, we knew it was coming down the down the pike. And uh, we knew that uh, from the NCA side, this was going to become a very real issue. Um, you know, realistically, we are in the day and age of student athlete rights and responsibilities. And, and we've been in that day and age now, uh, as you as you've seen student athletes athletes get more rights and you've seen uh, even with you know changes five years ago of cost of attendance and being able to provide scholarship student athletes with more than just books and tuition um, you know we, we've been able to to do some things creatively to make sure that our student athletes are are well taken care of and they have a position to be able to to be successful uh, and so we, we've been in this age and now uh, you know when name image likeness started becoming real uh, about a year ago uh, we, we decided that we better get out in front of it even if we don't have answers and we're operating in this gray space. Uh, we knew that, that uh, we, we've got two things going for us at Illinois. We've got a world-class education. You know, when you, when you can sit here and, and you can sit in the Zoom living rooms of uh, young men and women looking to put on our uniform and, and you can sell them on a top 15 public education and, and some programs and business and engineering and all across the board that are ranked in the top 10, we knew that we had that going for us. And then the second thing, obviously, is we're, we're continuing to build this championship experience and uh, this athletic experience where we want to make sure they have every opportunity to win championships, you know, regardless of, of sport. Uh, we, and, and we're on the way to that. Uh, and so we knew that we had those two things going for us. And what we needed to do was start thinking about how to stay ahead of the game and, and be able to win the battle when it comes to schools and the recruiting piece for name image likeness because you know this is the way the recruiting world works if if you're not uh, if you're not keeping up with with everyone um you are absolutely falling behind because as soon as name image likeness is is mentioned uh, i guarantee you there are other schools out there talking about all kinds of plans that they haven't even made yet uh just as they're recruiting student athletes so we wanted to make sure that we were looking at it comprehensively that we were doing the right thing for our student athletes uh and that we were, we were putting in, in a position putting our coaches in a position to be able to go out and talk about it so you know, we, we, uh, we've begun that process um, on a monthly meeting basis, but then our subgroups get together. So you think about just the different areas involved. So I, I have the privilege of overseeing our student athlete development group. And what that group does is uh, that group coordinates all educational programming activities and career development related items to make sure our student athletes that are, that are currently wearing our uniforms are prepared for life after college. And so that group is going to be heavily engaged in uh, in all the different educational aspects of what is name image likeness and, and all the different pieces that go into a comprehensive program. 
But then you think about a group like compliance who <laughs> they're going to have a, just a, 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 a nightmare of a, uh, of a, of a scenario where they're going to have to track and monitor all these different things that actually are going to be beyond our control. And so that group has to get together. So, so while we have this big think tank that, that gets together about monthly, um, our individual subgroups are talking about this stuff nonstop. And I, I want to go broad here, Brian, because like name, image, and likeness in its broad form, right, means student athletes can now make money. And I, I believe this is August 1st is the plan uh, off their name, image, and likeness. But I still feel like we're assuming a lot with, with what that entails. So as you assembled this group, where do you start? Like, what do you attack first? Yeah, no, great question. Uh, we, we ask ourselves that every time we meet. Uh, and I, I say that, you know, not joking, you know, it's, you know, we get together and we expected a vote to happen at the NCA level on this in January's convention. And clearly that got pushed back and didn't happen. So, you know, as we met uh, all summer and we, as we met uh, all fall, uh, even as we started conversations last spring with this group, you know, we're sitting here thinking, all right, January 21, we're going to know so much more and we'll be able to make plans that are just incredible and it'll be awesome. And, uh, clearly that's, you know, here we are in uh, late February, we still don't know. Uh, and so, uh, as we come to the table and think about some of this, uh, obviously in its most basic form, we expect that our student athletes are going to have opportunities to modernize, uh, to, um, to make money directly off of, uh, of their, of their name, image and likeness, uh, and what that means for, you know, the IOs and the Kofi's and, uh, and obviously the ones that you think of immediately, it, you know, that's one thing. And then what it means for our student athletes, you know, you think about, you know, you take it down to our gymnasts and, and you look at our, our men's and women's gymnasts. And if there's a local, you know, a, a gymnastics academy in town, there may be opportunities for them as well. Uh, and so there, the, the spectrum that this spans is just so broad and so wide that realistically we're sitting here looking at it, trying to put together plans and, and contingency plans on what we think may or may not happen. Who do you talk to, to figure out like what you think this will be? Like, is it, do you have communication with the NCAA or is it just you and other schools? Like who do you reach out for, for, for information to figure out, okay, this is where we think it's going. Yeah, this, you know, it, it I say this unapologetically. It, I, I think about every day how fortunate we are to be led by Josh Whitman, who is one of the most brilliant people sitting in the athletic director chair across the, across the country. Uh, I mean, when, when realistically with the way that Josh has a legally trained mind and the way that he thinks about both the Alston case and how that may change college athletics and name image likeness, I can't think of someone better to lead our charge and to be in meetings with who's explaining some of the legal cases that are, that are happening and the precedent that this may set. Uh, I mean, the guy is absolutely brilliant and on top of it. And so I think about that and I think quite candidly, Josh and the way that he talks to other ADs and the way that he talks to legislators and he talks to governmental relations with the university, we get a ton of information directly from Josh. Um, he is uh, hands-on in all aspects of our student athlete experience. Uh, and so thinking about how he thinks through and listening to the conversations he's having um, has been incredibly helpful. Uh, other than that, we've got um, obviously, so our national organization, NACTA, a uh, big national organization that has different subsets, a, a lot coming out of education with uh, a group, um, the, the NACTA leadership group. Uh, a lot of, a lot is happening in terms of webinars where they, they're pulling in legal experts or pulling in branding experts. And so there's a lot of education out there. Uh, Lead one is another group that's uh uh, with Tom McMillan uh, leading that group, you know, th that's a group that's looking at the legal side of this and how it may change college sports and revolutionize college sports. 
uh, good, bad, or indifferently, you know, there's a change coming. So I think there, there's quite a bit of information out there uh, where it gets a little like any major change. And, 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 you know, between the Alston case and between name, image, likeness, we could be looking at monumental landscape changes of college athletics. Um, there are also, there, there are tons of groups out there trying to get in. Uh, and so there are a lot of third party groups right now trying to get in and, and trying to be branding experts and marketing experts who really are trying to sell products to us. And so there's a lot to filter through when you're thinking about this space, because there's just so many unknowns at this point. Brian, can you fill us in um, just broadly? The Austin case, you've mentioned that a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yep, the Austin case essentially is is um, is looking at um, student athletes um, and their ability to be um, their uh, their ability to um, fight for their own rights to unionize to be considered employees. There's a lot that uh, yeah. that's an incredibly poor explanation of the Austin case, <laughs> um, but. Uh, it is the it's the first case that the Supreme Court is going to hear about college athletics in you know, something like 50 years. So it's, it's gone all the way up to the Supreme Court at this point. Uh, and, and so I think that that case will have a lot to do with also, you know, how we're looking at name image likeness as well, because the two are really going to lay into each other uh, in terms of what our landscape looks like. Yeah, I mean, we all know about the Northwestern thing and that could change, you know, the landscape of, like you said, the structure of college athletics. So what are the knowns, Brian, of that you guys like, Hey, we know this is happening with NIL. Yeah. So <laughs> we know that uh, every state may do something different. And so without a, I mean, and I, I mean this, you know, not not joking. If if there's not a federal solution here, it's going to be just the wild west from state to state. Uh, I, I mean, you look at representatives, and you look at congressmen and women submitting bills from state to state that ha- that are different, right? And so it, it's you know, if you're in one state and you and you're playing by this set of rules, um, you go to another state state and you're playing by a different set of rules. And so without some sort of of major oversight there. We could be looking at uh, at a world of haves and haves nots based on on what each state is allowing, uh, and so you know I think that's you know one of the purposes obviously of the NCAA is to attempt to have a level playing field across teams that are competing under the the rules and guidance of the NCAA, uh, and so as you think about uh, think about what that might look like, that's that part's scary for us as administrators. You know sure. we want to we want to operate knowing that we're on a level playing field with you know a, a school across the border, uh, to our West, right. We want to, we want to make sure that we've got the same opportunity to recruit, to put our student athletes in a position to, to have success as, as they're having. Uh, and so, you know, you think about some of that and I'd say, so a known is, is definitely that, that the state to state is, is a little bit scary for us at this point. Um, not a ton of knowns in terms of what this will look like, because you think about the, the bills that are just, they're, they're, there's so many right now. You think about Senator Booker's bill, and essentially that one uh, is broad and asking for everything. And then there are other bills out there that are much more narrow in scope. And so I think at some point, surely, and clearly there's a there's a joke out there about surely, but you know <laughs> this is one of those deals that at some point there's going to have to be some middle ground because you know one of the things that I think is is missing, and this is my opinion, not the University of Illinois' opinion, is yeah. that that we're missing the story about the potential negative impact on all of the student athletes that are benefiting based on our current economic model. Uh, you know, you think of your, you know, we've got eight women's tennis 
full scholarship student athletes. You know, we've got women's gymnasts who are full scholarship student athletes. We've got soccer student athletes uh, that are on high dollar scholarships. And all of those scholarships are a part of our current model. We're operating, you know, we're operating a for-profit with two sports and we're operating a non-for-profit for all the rest. And so you're taking the revenue from those two sports and what you're able to do um, and, and then support the rest of, of our student athletes. And so we've got 500 plus student athletes out there that, that rely on our current model. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see if that comes to light more uh, because I think the, the picture right now is painted that our student athletes just are, are getting the, you know, the short end of the stick uh, for lack of better words. But uh, I, I think when you walk a day in the life of the shoes of our student athletes, even our most high profile, yeah, pretty good life in, in, yeah. uh, at the University of Illinois. Uh, and so I think some of that, as that shakes out, maybe some of those stories will be told of what the impacts truly might be for all student athletes, rather than just focusing on the few that truly might be able to monetize and, and, uh, and do really well. And that's, that's what I was going to follow up with Brian is, I mean, a guy like IO or Kofi obviously could benefit a lot from this. Um, how much, I, I don't know, maybe I'll ask you, but, or a guy like Adam Miller, who's got a hundred Instagram followers or a hundred thousand Instagram followers, right? Um, how many students see a significant impact with, with NIL do you think? Uh, I mean, it's clearly this is a guess based on not knowing what NIL will look like. But I mean, I'm maybe I'm a pessimist and normally I'm an optimist. But in this case, I, I think I think even our own student athletes think this is going to help them a lot more. I think more student athletes think that this is going to change their world. It's kind of like the EA sports deal. Right. I, I remember uh, I was at my previous institution when all the EA sports stuff was going down and every Every football player is, is going around getting every other guy to sign up for the petition, thinking they're going to get a ton of money off of this EA sports deal. And, it, you know, and even when it settled, some of them legitimately got checks. But I mean, it it wasn't any, anything that was significant to be able to change their worlds. Uh, and I, I, I wonder if that's the mindset out there of some of our student athletes right now with this, because I think the 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 true the life changing money that some could see it's going to be such a small portion of our student athlete population across the board. Yeah. And what do you think that actually looks like? I think some people think commercials. Um, I think social media being influencers, right? Um, what do you think this will actually look like for them? Yeah, I, I think that's the one that's so just a gray area right now. It's yeah. such a gray area. There's so much in the air um, that could go any direction because, you know, there may be restrictions put on what they're able to do. There may be no restrictions depending on what, what bill is actually passed and what it looks like. Uh, I think uh, I agree with you. I think social and influencers, I mean, that's the quickest and easiest and, and best way. I mean, you can, you can do that right now through, you know, celebrities can do it through cameo and then, you know, all the different ways that, you know, they can already do that. And you could, you could argue that we've got a handful of student athletes, even at Illinois that could do that right now. And, and it would be immediate, increase in revenue tomorrow for them individually. Um, so I think that's certainly the quickest and easiest. I mean, we know that, that, that the goal here and what we're trying to do is, is we're trying to teach student athletes how to build their brands to the, to maximize their opportunity. Uh, and so building your brand certainly starts on social this day and age in 2021. And so I, I think that's certainly a, an area that you'll see pretty quickly. Some coaches are, are nervous about this. I know others uh, maybe reluctantly, or maybe they're fully embracing it because they know it's coming. Like Brett Bielma, I know is, is really embracing this now. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's kind of the overall uh, Illini athletics approach to this? Yeah. Well, I, I think that this is, you know, 
we, we are committed to offering a student athlete experience that, that is to the maximum that's allowable to the letter of the NCAA law. Uh, and, and this will end up being included in that. And so I, I tell you, you know, with excitement, we're going to figure it out because we think we've got some, uh, some good thought leaders in the room and we think we've got folks that can figure out a good solution once it's handed down as to how we have to operate within the parameters that are set. But uh, I think we're excited about it. You know, it, it's something that uh, certainly change is scary for everybody, uh, regardless of what the change is. And uh, same thing when, you know, the cost of attendance models and, and different different pieces. Anytime something passes in college athletics, people are nervous because there's, there's change. But uh, I think we've got a good group that's thinking through it well. You know, our, our recent uh, announcement uh, of our influence, um, you know, our, our student athlete development program in terms of what we're going to be able to do as we partner with Open Doors, uh, a company that's going to allow us to do, do quite a bit in terms of assessing and, and uh, assessing the the um, social accounts of our student athletes and allowing them to truly understand um, how to make an impact and how to grow their brand socially. Uh, all, all of those pieces combined, I think we're seeing, uh, we're seeing us ahead of the curve. If not, you know, if not leading the group, we're, we're certainly in that group that is, that is ahead of the curve of, of making sure that we're, we're putting our student athletes in a position to have success. You mentioned two things earlier. You said uh, Wild West it could be, um, but there will be some kind of limitations, I would imagine, put on by the NCAA. I guess we'll see. Um, but you guys do have a huge job, your compliance department. I would imagine it might even have to grow, Brian. I don't know if I'm assuming that. What is the task of monitoring this? Like how How big of a task is that for you guys? Yeah, it could be, uh, could be, could be monumental. Um, but quite candidly, it could be a, a much more of a hands-off approach depending on how far and wide this goes. I mean, if this goes into a, look, students have all the rights in the world, which means they have all the responsibility in the world and they're able to go out and make these deals, it's up to them to make these deals. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. And then on the back end, we're just going to have to track it. If they, if they allow the institution to have more of a, uh, I guess, a middle person approach or, or more of a... Um, I don't know, consigliere is maybe the wrong word here, but, you know, if they allow us to operate in some sort of a, an advisory capacity, then I think there is a much heavier monitoring approach. Uh, Either way, no matter how this works, compliance is going to have, that's the group that, um, that that I I feel for the most, Uh, you know, on one hand, I get to sit here and, and, and think about all the great things we could do in terms of student ethic programming and, and how, what we can do to help. No question, our compliance group is sitting here thinking about all the all the areas where we could run into some true red flags. What are your major concerns, Brian? As as we are, I guess we're supposed to be getting closer to this, but as you said, we, we don't know much. But what are your major concerns? Yeah, major concerns um, really have to do um, with the with the guardrails um, that are put on based on the NSA legislation, which will also be based on, you know, the state and, and federal legislation as well. So certainly concerned with the guardrails and what it looks like. You know, you think about it from just even from Illinois perspective um, as a Nike school, you know, depending on what it looks like. Right. If if basketball player X, football player Y, um, tennis player Z want to go out and we're a Nike school and they want to go out and get a big endorsement deal from Adidas, what happens? Uh, when they compete, are they now allowed to wear their Adidas shoes? Are they now allowed to wear, um, you know, whatever brand it is, are they allowed to do that? And, and so, you know, guardrails are going to be critically important. So I think that's one of, one of the biggest nervous areas is to see, you know, some of what we know, we know that this is going to have to change the way we think about college athletics and we think about our models. Uh, but to what extent 
is I think the biggest question mark at this point. I guess what makes you optimistic about this? Like what, what can be the, the positive that comes out of this? Uh, maybe we've needed change in college athletics. Maybe we've needed something that, um, that is the impetus for us to think about our experiences. You know, this is a, this is a mode where, you know, in, in my 15 years in higher education at this point, every year we get bigger, faster, and stronger in every area. And, you know, we say that in recruiting, we say that in, in development for sports that our student athletes are, are getting bigger, faster, and stronger, but you're seeing that in academic support. You're seeing that in career development. You're seeing it in diversity and inclusion education. You're seeing it in all facets of a college experience of a college student athlete. We're getting bigger, faster, and stronger. Uh, and, you know, some of that you think you even go to go to facilities. You know, you look at our campus and, and the way that our campus is going to look, um, you know, by the time 2023 hits, our, our athletic side of campus is going to be incredible. It'll be first class for not just our, our revenue sports, for all of our student athletes. Um, you know, we're, we're in the process and then in the next couple of months, we're going to open up Demersion Park, which is, you know, for track and field and, and our soccer programs and, and cross country. And, and Demersion Park alone is going to impact almost a quarter of our 500 student athletes. Uh, and so you look at that and then you look, uh, you look at the plans that are going on um, with Atkins golf club and, and what we have going for our golf programs. And you look at the, the oven renovation that's happening. I mean, there are just so many projects. Um, baseball and softball are both getting um, new indoor facilities. And so even the arms race of facilities, we're getting bigger and faster, stronger. And so maybe there's a point where name image likeness makes us, uh, look in the mirror a little bit as college athletics administrators and say, all right, what has to be a new priority now? Is it about the arms race and recruiting and getting those folks in, or is it, or is it something different? Um, because I think certainly something is going to have to give. You mentioned, I mean, you're, you're an educational institution. There's an education part of this with, with players too. And I know open doors is a part of that, but what is the approach to the education piece of this for the student athletes? Yeah. So I, I feel strongly about this piece that, you know, and similar to any situation we put our student athletes in, it's, you know, we can't just open the doors and let them, let them roll. We've got to provide education of what's going on, how it's happening. You think, you, you think even about just, um, you know, the, the fact that we bring student athletes here that may not have much of a financial um, literacy background, uh, you, know, we, you know, quite candidly, uh, not just student athletes specific, but students across the board sometimes show up to college without ever having a bank account. They, they've just they've they've um, either operated in levels of income that haven't required it. Um, they have received a full scholarship to come to the institution. So there's an educational piece. You can't just provide a whether it's a chancellor scholarship or an athletic scholarship. You can't just give an 18 year old a ton of money without guiding without any sort of education about what that money means and how you how you how you need to spend that money to pay the correct bills. And and so this will go along those same lines, right? So you think about on the back end of these deals. So on the back end of these deals are, are certainly taxes. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're going to get this big endorsement deal. All of a sudden you're gonna have to pay taxes on it. If you weren't planning on paying taxes and you don't know how to pay taxes and you don't, you don't have the first inkling of what that truly means. Well, you know, then we've got to have educational pieces to that. You know, you got to think now we're talking, uh, we're talking contracts and negotiations. We're talking stuff that you cover your first year of law school that we're going to ask our, our new first year student athletes that to have to think about. And so you think about, Taxes, agent selection, financial literacy, insurance, all the pieces that go into what, what could be new for them 
we've got to figure out how to educate them. And, and we, we, we have a couple of different modes for that. Uh, we use a system called Game Plan. Uh, it's an online third-party platform that, that does a lot of educational models that we use. Open Doors is going to have some educational pieces to it. Uh, we teach uh, a couple of different classes. Um, we, we teach a, a first-year student-athlete success course where we start implementing some of these things, and we start talking about some of these that all of our student-athletes take. And then, then we have another course that we teach um, that's a transition out of sport course. And so it's much more focused on the career development of juniors and seniors and preparing them for the stages of life after they leave our walls. And, and so we've got some methods and some modes to be able to teach some of these subjects and, and, and to hit some of this, but um, that part's going to be critical to make sure we're doing it appropriately. I feel like we're getting, we've gotten into a lot of the tentacles of this, Brian, but is there any I'm missing? Because it's such, it's such a big thing to wrap your arms around it. Like what else what other pieces are involved that most people would know about? Yeah, I, I think the, um, you know, quite candidly, I, I think there are going to be a lot of pieces that we simply don't know about, even even those of us that are sitting around the table trying to lead the direction. Um, and, and so there will be so many nuances to this. You know, you think about it from a donor perspective, right? We've got, you know, plenty of your listeners that are are absolutely huge supporters and, and give to the iFund and uh, some that have season tickets, some that have suites, some that, some that buy game by game. Like we have so many different levels of supporters and all of those supporters go into making our scholarship fund and our, and our, our facility drive and, and our student athlete experience. All of them make that go. So what happens then if you get a, if you get a donor who says, you know what, I'm not going to buy season tickets anymore. I'm going directly to player X or player Y, and I'm going to do an endorsement deal with my company with them instead of providing that opportunity for the iFund to be a scholarship account. So there's so many yeah. pieces and nuances that, that you just, that when you think about how that could change what we do, um, it, it's, it's wild. Uh, yeah. it's, uh, it's, 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 it makes it a challenge on both the student athlete side and on the external side as we're trying to figure out how to, how to support this experience for 500 plus student athletes. So are you preparing as your group is Atlanta athletics? Are you guys preparing for next fall for this to be in place? Uh, I, th I think we're, we are preparing for the assumption that something will pass at some point. Um, and so what that looks like, um, I would assume there's a little bit of a runway, but you know, we usually say there's a runway because it's NCAA legislation and, and we have, some of us say in that because on, honestly, you know, the NCA is it, it consists of the member institutions. Right. So if the member institutions all gather and say they want to do this and this date and you get a little bit of a runway. But when it comes to state or federal legislation, our runway may not be there. It may look a little different. And so I think, uh, yeah, we are preparing for um, for when this happens to happen fast. What's your thoughts when you think of that date? Oh, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be uh, throwing it into the wind if I, uh, if I gave a guess at this point, I no. struggled to even explain what Alston was about. And I think I even missed the mark. So asking me to talk about the dates that I think some of this legislation might pass has got me out of my comfort zone. No, but I guess like when that date happens, how will you feel? Um, prepared, yeah. you know, we've been thinking, we've been thinking about it for so long that, you know, it's, you know, we, uh, I, I hate to use a, uh, hate to use a, a basketball mantra, but obviously I, I serve as the basketball sport administrator. So we're in it every day. And right now we're playing three games in a week and about to play another one on Tuesday. And, you know, we're, we're playing four games and what, eight, nine, 10 days here. And so <laughs> legitimately um, that schedule came to us, you know, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, whatever it was that, that we, you have to go into work and prepare like a, like an everyday uh, hashtag everyday guys, <laughs> right. You go in every day and you, and you prepare the same way, 
for when it actually happens. And I think that's the same way thing we approach when we're thinking about how we lead in our department as well is, is you know, we go into it so that we can be prepared when it actually does happen. Well, well Brian Russell, I, I had so many questions and I think you answered most of them that you can so far to this point. So really appreciate the insight because I, I feel like this is a topic we talk about, but we don't know much about. And I think you, you filled this in a lot on that. So can't thank you enough, Brian. Yeah, absolutely. Jeremy, happy to help and uh, appreciate you and your listeners and uh, all the support for uh, Illini Nation. Now we just need to go win a few more ball games here. Great stuff. And a big thank you to Dr. Brian Russell, Associate AD at the University of Illinois. And uh, he's also the administrator for Illinois basketball. So he's kind of the point of contact there. So he's traveling with the team. And that's what he's talking about there uh, at the end with Illinois basketball. And they're certainly uh, putting together a heck of an end of a season here. But obviously a lot that is going into this right now. And I, I thought he gave great insight into everything that could be entailed in this and, and all the unknowns that are still uh, unknown in all of this. So big thank you to Brian Russell. I needed to learn more about name, image, and likeness. And if I needed to, I figured most fans needed to as well. And I, I thought this was very insightful to give us a look about what the administration here in, in Alina Athletics is thinking about this and how it will impact people. Because someone like Adam Miller or, say, if Kofi Coburn came back for a junior season or, or if Trent Frazier came back for a fifth season or Andre Curbelo uh, obviously could benefit a lot from name, image, and likeness. I think the Illinois basketball program could gain a lot. And we've seen also, Brett Bielema, who I don't know if he would have been all for this a decade ago, he's really embracing this and bringing in somebody like Patrick Pearson, who basically can serve as a consultant for his Illinois athletes, uh, football players, um, as someone who can build this brand image, right? Like they are embracing this and trying to use this because they know it's coming. There's no point in really fighting against it anymore because it is coming. The state legislation that is passing is going to force this to happen. Maybe it goes to courts, all of those things, but this is coming. And uh, I think it's smart of Illinois to embrace this and prepare for it rather than fight against it. And if Illinois football gets good, I mean, think of somebody, if Illinois had a, somebody who's a Big Ten Player of the Year candidate or a, a Jay Lehman. You know, Jay's on commercials now. Like, what would he have been on in the Rose Bowl years? Or what could Juice Williams have been? Or even a guy like Nathan Shieldhouse. Um, you know, you have players like that who can really, I don't know how much they'd benefit, but they can benefit and they can profit off what they are building here at the University of Illinois. And maybe it helps keep some people. You know, if you're a borderline draft pick like Kofi Coburn, would this keep you at school for another year does it help you pursue a degree longer does it help you get money back to your family um does it you know help you develop in college rather than go to the pros before you're actually ready i think it's really going to be interesting to see how this impacts and does you know i think uh, this is my opinion now we look at this i think there needs to be a federal law because if you go state by state and there's different states you know making different rules and one school can you know, get more money for their players in, in one state than another school can in another state, that can drive more of the haves or have-nots. But also, could this allow, you know, an evening of the playing field where if you go and be the star at, at say, Illinois, is that better to go there than Kentucky, where you're just kind of the fourth or fifth or sixth guy or coming off the bench? 
there could be more opportunities for schools. Maybe it levels the playing field, at least when we're talking about Power 5 schools. I, I don't know if it would uh, for those mid-majors or, or lower-level Division One schools, but just a lot of implications that come, come with it, and uh, it should be coming shortly. We just don't know exactly when or exactly what it'll look like. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We hope to do more stuff like this along with our reactions to what's going on with the nitty-gritty every day. Uh, but I like taking a bigger picture look as this as well. And while I could write something big on this, and I might write up something a little bit from what Brian said, I just thought having a good conversation about it and hearing everything he says in context uh, was really important. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. As always, we appreciate the support when you subscribe to our podcast. Rate us, review us. That helps us out as well. We'll be back with more Illinois basketball talk, of course, on this as they head to Ohio State on Saturday. We'll have reaction to that and, of course, get you ready for the Big Ten tournament. The postseason is just around the corner for Illinois basketball and a number one seed within grasp. We will talk about it all here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Check out the website. We are loaded with Illinois basketball and, of course, football and football recruiting content. A lot of new offers out there for Illinois football. And I know Derek Piper has some basketball content, uh, recruiting content as well. So check that out. As always, everybody, take care of each other. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! 
the Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.